Here we are. Hello. How's it going? I thought we were going to play this video right here. Welcome. Sorry, that's what happens when I give Ben the 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 reins of the of the <laughs> this this whole. I thought we were going to talk about archetypes and then show them, but we could show them and then we could talk about it. Whatever it, it is, who cares? Ways. We're here now, right? <laughs> we're here to talk to you guys a little bit about archetypes, which is a magazine that we're going to be dropping here in mid February. What it is is uh, Ben. Actually, if you have those up on cue as I talked about, uh, we're going to show yeah, you guys yeah. the cover. Uh, the cover is we're going to put that up here on the screen here now. This is our magazine. We're going to feature all kinds of really cool uh, stuff, right? We're going to articles, uh, tips and tricks of the trade. We're going to be talking to two creators that we're going to be featuring in the mag magazine today, who which is Oneshi Press. Um, and then uh, we have I don't know if we have the uh, the homage cover up uh, on, on there. Uh, there we go. There's our homage cover. But what's really cool about this is that. Um, I was speaking to a really cool printer, and what we're going to do is we're going to emboss that title, and we're going to print it in foil and give it a really cool varnish finish uh, treatment on this cover. And we're only going to do 50 of those. Those are, those are only going to be limited to 50, so you guys are definitely going to want to get in on the first day of this. So all you got to do is go to geekcollective.net slash archetypes and sign up today and we'll uh, we'll get you guys on this really cool Kickstarter here. Once it, uh, you'll be notified on launch and we'll have some really cool stuff. We're even going to have a really cool tier for Oneshi Press in there so we're curating it just for them and, and anybody who backs that tier, uh, all those funds are going to go to them. So so right here, right after this intro, we're going to go to talk to Oneshi Press and talk to them a little bit about what they've got going on on Kickstarter. Ben, can you please play that intro? I would be delighted to. Wrong one. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm clicking it. Nothing's happened. Oh, nothing. to explain yourself thank you guys for hanging out with me and ben and please welcome Lindsay and jl oneshi press how you guys doing 
Hey, happy birthday. How are you? Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, today is my birthday. I thank you guys so much. I thank everybody out there in uh, the Geekverse who has uh, wished me well wishes today. Thank you guys so much. It's been really cool to see everybody's uh, happy birthdays. Thank you so much. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about Oneshi Press and Uh, Pat. Happy birthday song, but I'm afraid we'll get sued. Yeah, we could. We could. (laughs) <laughs> we have, we have, we have, uh, okay? what's that? Pretend I'm singing it to you. Okay. I'll pretend. I, I yeah, apparently yeah, my I'm wife singing was... me pretend it's good. You would need to. <laughs> there you go. My wife was reading horoscopes today or something that she said that apparently, uh, Aquarius really loved to role play. I don't know where she was going with that, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> so we'll talk this is this is not uh this is not nsfw guys just it, it is totally safe but uh oneshi press talk to us a little bit about what you guys got going on you guys have a book called pack you have issues one through four available right now on kickstarter talk to us a little bit about that yeah so pack is a series we've been working on for a while now um it's going to be a seven or a seven issue limited series but right now we are on issue four and issues one through four are all available on Kickstarter, like you said. Um, and it follows the story of six stray dogs and one stray man who dole out vigilante justice on the streets of Brooklyn. That's very freaking cool. fantastic. I mean, uh, if you, you don't need any more vigilantes in the world, you definitely need this one. Uh, J- JL, talk to us a little bit why we need pack in our lives. So, I mean, at its heart, it's uh, it's a story about, you know, wanting justice to be easy and clean cut, you know, like times where you just, that feeling of wrath where you just wish you could just go punch the problem in the face, you know, you know what I mean? Like everyone's got that feeling. Um, but, you know, also as we find out in the pack, even in a fictionalized world, it's rarely that simple. Um, and we do have these these vigilantes that are doing things their way and they're getting their feelings of justice. But the problems are a lot more complex. And, um, you know, there's a lot more that needs to be done than can be solved by just punching a problem in the face, you know. Um, yeah, to the dogs, it's simple, though. They're like, hey, that guy is mugging that person. I'm going to go rip out his trachea like let's do it but um the guy who's mugging the other person has a lot of his own problems and so we kind of like we follow the problems from the street level upward to like kind of encompass the whole situation going on and i mean you know that's not to say that we make excuses for uh violent criminals like bad guys bad guys are bad guys (laughs) like but you know some of the bad guys aren't getting their hands dirty is what we're saying you know like some of the bad guys are in city hall you know um so in that way it's not so clean cut yeah <laughs> thank hey, you hey, hey, all the birthday wishes are pouring in <laughs> i appreciate you guys doing that yeah so um i i want to i want to talk to you because i heard i was watching another stream and uh and you guys talked touched on it a little bit but i wanted you to guys kind of deep uh dive into this a little bit more how do you guys handle um situations with the dogs because dogs cannot communicate right how do you guys portray that already in a medium where it's really hard to portray some things when when it comes to like real life you know actions in the pages so how do you guys how do you guys handle something like that 
I mean, for me, I think I, that's a challenge that I really love uh, because I really, I personally am pretty sensitive to like animals, uh, facial expressions and body language when they're communicating. I listen well to animals. Sometimes I think I understand animals better than humans. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but uh, lately, right? <laughs> and I love to, you know, try to capture that. I've done a lot of like um, pet portrait commissions, like somebody's, you know, dog who passed away that they want to like commemorate as part of the healing process. And they'll hire me to like do an illustration of them. So, in that, you know, I end up like really trying to study the animal's expression and figure out what's going on and, and get that, you know, that humanity across, right? <laughs> and so there's something, the more you study that, the like more warm and touching it becomes. And I think uh, when you could put that in a panel where an animal without the ability to talk is clearly saying something in a still shot and the other, the human in the panel knows what they're saying or the other dog in the panel knows what they're saying I want to make sure that the reader also knows what they're saying without personification. You know, like these aren't teenage mutant ninja dogs. These are just <laughs> regular dogs, you know. Um, not that I don't love teenage mutant, ninja, uh, teenage mutant ninjas, but, you know, uh, that's just not the case here. Um, All teenage mutant ninjas are in our eyes. Well, we did just watch Mayhem last night. Yeah, and you know what? I loved all of them really equally. Fun. That was awesome. <laughs> Um, but also, like, in the, the actual, like, verbal storytelling part of the story, it's also fun, like, it's a fun challenge because we get all of the information that we have about the dog's backstories through visuals and through what patients, the human who rescued them, has sort of, like, pieced together or what he knows about their background. So it's all sort of, like, like we get visuals and then we get secondhand information that may or may not be reliable because we're not totally sure that he's right this is just what he thinks you know based on like the way that this dog acts and the way that it responds to certain things i think this is what happened to it um so it's really it's like a it's a fun challenge to put together that puzzle with some words and with visuals but not actually getting it straight from the dog's mouth you know do you guys when you're kind of putting this together in terms of i, I know Lindsay, you write the script jail you're drawing this do you kind of communicate on like what plot points you need to cross a certain way or do you do that all in the writing and kind of figure i mean because there are a lot of characters and i think this works as well in movies as it does in comics you can kind of do almost the chewbacca approach where you've got verbal information coming from han solo you've got emotional responses from him and then visuals and it that's enough it's not you know a complete set of sort of actors giving each other all the exposition dialogue action we're used to but we can kind of get by on those you know a chair can sit on three legs most of the time and then sometimes of course that's a lot of fun just to make your audience put that together a little bit so <laughs> is that something you guys kind of plan out or do you do that all in the scripting and just hand it over and say make it work hmm. this way it's a good question we do we work pretty closely on like the the broad strokes sort of like we outline together um on what we want to happen in each issue before i write it but then i pretty much I pretty much do all the writing on my own. Yeah. But then the nice thing is usually when he's working on the pages, like I'm just in the other room. That's great. Like, hey, Lindsay, can I combine on. these two panels? Or <laughs> Lindsay, can I break this apart into two panels? Or, you know, 
Yeah, or frequently <laughs> like, like Lindsay, that. I can't actually show somebody doing these two things at the same time. And I'm like, why not? Oh, yeah, you're you one can. Of those and he's like, no, okay. that's that's not okay. how art works. I can't. <laughs> can't show the back of someone and the front of someone at the same time unless like, there's a mirror. Like, why not? I don't know. You're speaking, you're speaking my language here. I mean, that's <laughs> that was stuff we were dealing with early on. Um I think, you know, for the most part, like before we start the next issue, we'll have a big talk about it. Yeah. Try to figure out what we both want to see in the issue, what would be cool. Um, and earlier on, you know, I originally had the, the first eight pages of Pack before mm -hmm. Lindsay started doing the writing. So I, you know, would talk to her a little bit more about what I wanted to see. And there'd be a little bit more like, this is what I think the um, the attitude should be angled like, and you know, but I don't know. I, I think now it's pretty much just like, cool. What'd you write? I'm gonna draw it, you know. And like, mm -hmm. we've done enough collaborating that I don't even feel like I need to see the script before I start on it, you know. And that goes for also for Tracy Queen and anything else we're working on. Yep. Yeah, I find, I mean, in fact, I was just, uh, Joe, you'll know a little bit about this, but working on some of our, our pages for this archetype book. Yeah. And uh, I had a plot point happening on like kind of the middle end of the story that it was kind of taking like three steps to get somewhere that probably could have been done in one. And I had a decent reason for doing it. But I kind of sat back after taking a few days away from it and said, you know, this just doesn't look cool in comics. And I think there's a lot of times where you have to, maybe you don't know, in this case, I'm the writer and the artist, so I have, unfortunately, no one to blame, uh, which may be my preference. <laughs> but the, you know, I said, you know, actually, this is cool. It does reveal a little bit about this character to and give us a little bit of extra suspense. But uh, this type of motion and this complex kind of gears fitting together just doesn't look cool here. And you don't really know that sometimes until you're looking at the page and reading it in the context of the other ones and say, yeah, that, that just that could be simpler. It doesn't provide enough value to have like four panels that are just not necessarily super clear. And I think that's when you're talking about, you know, those, those things, artists we run into where it's like, you can't see the back of two people in the front of this person and mm -hmm. three people or, you know, three things going on at the same time, unless that person is the flash, you know, that's, you got to kind of make those adjustments and I'm always having to do that. So, um, you know, it's something that sounds like you're getting better at running into that and anticipating what the other person's going to, bring to it as you're doing it which is cool yeah. to hear especially that you say you're drew a lot of this before uh the scripting which is interesting so i mean originally i was just going to write it um but i didn't have any writing experience or training so i had started on it and i had like the first eight pages pretty mm. much you know written and drawn but the writing part was a real slog for me and um you know since then i mean I've taken writing coaching workshops with Lindsay and, mm -hmm. you know, like I've read a lot more about it and I've gained a lot of experience in writing, but, you know, at the time, um, I didn't know anything about like pacing or like, you know, payoffs and things like that. I was just kind of like going, you know, just like from start <laughs> to whatever happens. And, you know, at that trajectory i most certainly would have painted myself into a corner you know mm -hmm. um and so it was really fortuitous to be able to hand over the writing part to Lindsay, um and 
Well, and I mean, you got it. It's it's great. Yeah, I think I, you're doing I a great job. I feel like um, the story that you laid out in the first eight pages was a very, very simple, like, bad person does bad things, pack beats them up, yep. the end. <laughs> and then we started talking about it, um, and I started writing it, and suddenly it, like, exploded, and now it's like, there's a lot of characters, there's, there's a lot of yeah, there's complexity. Yeah, full cast. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's really it's really grown with us as we've created it over the years. I think also like some some things I do write on my own um, and illustrate. And there's a few projects that I've been writing for years. And there's um, when I do like short comics for Children of Gaia, for example, that I know I'm going to be illustrating. Um, I tend to not go easy on myself. I like turn it all the way up to hard mode. I'm like, how much can I make each panel do and still have a cogent story that's maybe just being told on multiple levels, you know, like uh, a flashback level, a, a concurrent, you know, storyline level, and then like a narrator's kind of implication level. And they're all kind of going together. And there's often a lot in each panel, but I try to like, make sure it's simple enough that when you look at it, it's clear. You understand what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. You don't, the, the audience doesn't have to know how complicated it was for the writer to put it together and the illustrator to make it work, you know? Um, in having done that, where I really don't take it easy on myself and coming back, I'm like, oh, Lindsay's really, you know, making this pretty easy for me. Like, that's nice. You know what I mean? Like coming back to someone like, what also when I write for other people, I tend to take it a lot easier on them than when I than I would on myself. I don't know why. You know, it's like a weird thing. I wonder, do you do that too, Ben? Like when you're writing for yourself, do you find that you're kind of? It depends on kind of where um, uh, what my I've done both. Um, I think when I was first starting on Scarlet Twilight, I was really because I had no reputation really. Um, I was just really going to throw these pages up online on Kickstarter and hope people were like responding to them. So. Uh, I was really pushing myself to, all right, every picture that I'm going to do that's going to be on the campaign, especially, has got to be like, pull out all the stops. If that means it's super complicated, so be it. But it was really about, uh, I knew I had like five or six things I really wanted to push. And I kind of made sure those pages had those things, whether those be like art deco backgrounds or things that reminded you of uh, certain other influences that I was really playing on saying, hey, if you love this, you're going to like that. Um, so I was really pushing it in that direction lately. Um, I've kind of been pushing, I've been really in like going back through my old Alex Toth Zorro comics and some of those old adventure stories that were uh, really akin to like those old serials, which, um, if you look at like, you know, the old Flash Gordon, Buck Rogers, things like that, they were really done on the cheap. They were done fast and they're, they have some flaws certainly, but there is something really cool in that energy. And mm -hmm. I was reading a, a quote from Steven Spielberg about Raiders of the Lost Ark. He said, if I had as much money and time as I wanted to do that movie, it wouldn't have worked. It would have been too pretentious. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of things I had to just mm -hmm. be like, let's just get it done, make sure it makes sense, get to the next thing. But it had that energy. And I think that is something in that movie that really cool, is really cool. So when I've been sitting down and doing the story for archetypes, uh, I've kind of been pushing myself to all right, do this simpler, do this quicker, do it in a style that you can do faster. Um, mm -hmm. And while I was kind of just thinking to myself, if it looks too unpolished, I'll go back and do something else. I mean, I can redraw it if I need to, but I found that it gives you a little bit of that energy. 
Um, and I also find that the simpler you make things, the more of that like comic book feel it has sometimes. Yeah. If you go in there and you reference everything and you you make it super detailed, sometimes I've found it just doesn't have that like comic book feel. It feels like kind of a little bit like concept art put into comic panels sometimes. Yeah. And uh, so I, I've kind of, that's been a really happy discovery. Nice. Um, I, I think that. I think I, I feel the same way. I think I think you have to kind of like find that medium, right? When the and and you can always see that that like that moment when something comes together and you it just feels right. Like you could you could start something, have like so much going on on the page, and you're just like that just doesn't look right, right? That just yeah. like looks like it's crowded. There's too much. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, because because it's some of the stuff that I do. I work. I do it like on the advertising stuff, and you kind of do that, Ben, with your day job and stuff. And you know, just putting too much information on some of these infographics, right? It, it sometimes it kind of you're like, okay, what can I do to simplify this, or or mm-hmm. uh, or just kind of like just kind of take some of the 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 crowded space out a little bit, and how do I make it look like I still have everything there that I need, but still look like, you know, still kind of, you know, make sure that it, that it uh, is executed in, in the correct way. Right. So how do you do, how do you find that medium? And I think, it, I think you guys are kind of talking a little bit about how you just kind of, you know, mesh, especially when it, when it comes to um, a writer and an artist who has worked together, you guys come together, you guys find this way of, you guys got to kind of hash it out a little bit and figure out your way to kind of, you know, knit together, I guess. I don't know how I'm trying to say that, but um, I feel like just simplifying things a little bit more. You know, I think it's good to kind of start out and have more because you can always take things away. Right. Especially in the digital age. <laughs> with well, working yeah, digital. Editing, <laughs> right. So you want to do that, I feel like, with, with writing yeah writing more and then subtracting is one thing but the thing with illustrating is it takes so long that you don't really want to have to edit out illustrations if you can help it um you really want to have that like to a place where i think by the time you're in that stage it's already you know the editing is done um but in terms of like figuring out working together i mean that i think is just trial and error (laughs) you know but it's also the trial and error of learning how to work with others because i feel like i'm in a place now where i can work with another writer or another illustrator and usually have pretty good synergy and be able to like you know have a couple of heart to hearts about it get on the same page and then go you know um but I think it's the appreciation and respect for the heart to heart, like what you want to get out of something and listening to what someone else wants to get out of something um, can really make a big difference in your ability to work together, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And just being able, like being willing and able to hear feedback <laughs> is like it. It sounds like it should be the simplest thing, but for a lot of creative people, it is not so simple. It can be really hard to take feedback um, in stride. So yeah, we had to really, I don't know, we had to work with each other to figure that one out yeah. from the get-go. Let's uh, take us through the Kickstarter here a little bit. Ooh, all right. Well, so at the top, we've got our video. I don't know if we've got time to watch a two and a half minute video, but we're pretty proud of this one. (laughs) 
Yeah, so those of you, if you guys want to take some time to take a look at this video, they do a really good job at, um, listen, they, they, they actually memorize their lines. Um, I don't know if I can do anything like that. So I just have Ben, like, make an infographic video, and I'm like, cool, we're good. Because I, I don't know if I can memorize lines anymore. I'm not, I used to do a good job, but I can't do it anymore. So I, so kudos to you guys. Um, but <laughs> they do a really great job with these videos, so it's definitely time to, uh, uh, like, worth a watch. So head on over there to kickstarter.oneshipress.com, and you guys can check that out now. But yeah, please and tell if you us like the video, stick around to the end because the bloopers are worth it. And and the bloopers <laughs> also do, um, you know, betray the fact that we don't actually perfectly memorize the lines. We try. <laughs> we do a good job, but I mean, you know, you'll see. There's bloopers. <laughs> it's fine. The beauty of editing, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, are you gonna should we scroll down a little bit what are we looking yeah, at? yeah so tell us a little bit about what you guys are offering everybody here you guys yeah. got some really cool stuff you guys are you have pack one through four that you guys are offering um and and you know this you guys can anybody who has a buck can definitely put down put a dollar on this thing like it or sometimes a share even goes a lot further oh, yeah. than a dollar can so um, and if you do want to put down a buck or however many bucks, know that we plant a tree for every single backer on every campaign that we do. So at any level, at any level, um, you will get a tree planted in your honor. We have an ongoing partnership with OneTreePlanted.org, which is a global reforestation project. Um, so every time we run a Kickstarter, we plant a bunch of trees to you know give back to the trees that give so much to us in the form of books. And then um, you can brag and say that you do the whole offset thing, right? And say that you're trendy. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we do also offset all of our carbon emissions. We're kind of big into all of that. So, um, But yeah, so anytime that you get a book from an issue press, you will know that it has been like printed on sustainably sourced paper, um, usually using like non-toxic vegetable-based dyes and inks and all of the good stuff. Um, it's really important to us. Uh, the publishing cool. industry can and historically has been quite wasteful. So we are trying to do our part to make that better. Um, and so, yeah, like Joey said, we have um, all four issues so far of this series on offer. You can get them all in print or digital. Um, and we also have them available as add-ons. So like, say, you know, you read issue one and right now you only want to get say the the second level tier where you get the um the paperback of issue four but then you also want to like fill in the gaps with digitals of two and three you can actually do that in the add-on section so um you know you can sort of build your own tier we think that's pretty fun um what else have we got on offer here uh we have the the light up um okay. the color changing light yeah oh uh, we have that's so cool which actually, do we have one on hand? I think I maybe right around is. the corner. So while, while you guys are grabbing that, I I, I really love that the the um when when people use the whole add-on thing, right? Because it it's such a cool idea. Because you can go if like you are like cool. I love these these tiers you guys got, but I really want to pair these two different things. And maybe yeah, some people exactly. don't don't pair those, right? Because I don't pair a lot of the things that are all, that that could be paired 
in my campaign. Mm-hmm. So what you, what can you do is you can go and grab one thing and then you can make a pairing of your own. So it's really cool to kind of check out everything on the site and check out all the add-ons so that you guys can always make sure that you guys are getting what you want. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and we're going to be unlocking more add-ons as well, so yeah, we'll make more um, more announcements about that. So hopefully that'll cool. draw more people to look at the add-ons again and be like, "Oh snap, I didn't see that last yeah. time." I, I kind of love that idea. You know, the whole like it's like like building your own a la carte. Like it's right. really cool. And I think like it's it's really nice too because we don't want to have a million different tiers. We don't want to like overwhelm people with too many different options. So having add-ons as an a la carte option really like helps people personalize their experience, if you will. And, and JL, JL is like, holding like, up a really cool, uh, what is that? Is that acrylic? Yeah, it's acrylic uh, laser etched. Let's see if I can get it in focus where it's not and reflecting it's, my computer screen. And, 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 uh, and it's, and it's there all, we go. Almost, almost perfect. The, oh, nope. well, the Paw logo of, of pack. So yeah, that's the pack, uh, pack logo. Print. There we go. Very cool, very cool. And uh, and what size would you say that was? Like maybe six to eight inches. It's about seven inches across. Yeah, seven inches. Oh, seven. Yeah. That's, very, that's actually a really good, nice size. Like yeah, that's it's, one it's of those things tiny, that streamers. You know. Yeah, it's, it's like one of those things that streamers put in the back so that you, yeah. it looks really exactly. cool in, in the background. And so. yeah, it's got this little remote so you can like change the color. You can put change the settings so that it like strobes or that it just like slowly changes or you want to keep it, it on red or. And at yeah. what tier can anybody grab this one? I think this is at our top tier. This right? is at our top tier. Yeah. Uh, did we make it this an is, add-on yet? I don't believe it's an add-on at this point. Okay, Ooh. so it's going to be unlocked. But we do always but... have them as add-ons in our backer kit store after the campaign. Very cool. Well. And these are hand-etched by our friend Frank and Beams. They're um, laser-etched. Laser-etched. And, and it's gorgeous. It looks very, very. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know how lasers work. Don't listen to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna. I think I might talk to talk Ben into. We might need one of our of our logo. Yeah. For, for our Geek Collective, and I don't know. We'll That's see. Good. I don't know. The GC. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see it. That. <laughs> That'd be really cool. Uh, very very cool. I love that. Like you guys do these things. You guys are also offering because. Because you guys' uh, character, the main character, has a really cool vigilante mask, right? Oh, yeah. And, and so, you guys are, are putting uh, some really cool printouts. Uh, people get some of those, right? They can, yeah, the so what it is, players. it's like a template, right? Mm-hmm. So you can make your own, which I've done. I don't know if you could see that. Yeah. Ben, have you done so, these before? No, never done and, those before. Uh, this yeah. is the Mask of Patience. And basically, this one is on cardboard, but you can print out the template and trace it onto any material you'd like and paint it or not, or, you know, you can put it on um, like EVA foam or plastic or, you know. We're strongly encouraging people to cosplay as patients. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely want to see some some photos of people cosplaying as patients. Yeah, on on camera, that looks like it's made out of like a thin metal. Like it really has that. It does. Um, the way you painted it, it, looked, it does. It really looks like it was out of like some really like a like a weathered metal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Thanks. Yeah, man. I, I ben, we, we know what Ben's gonna be cosplaying for this year, guys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <That'd be awesome. laughs> Very cool. And and tell us a little bit about Tarmux. Because Tarmux is a big, huge part of Pack, right? Yes. Tarmux is 
one of the most frequently seen locations in the pack. So Wait, there we go. Okay. We knew that early on we wanted um, we wanted the series to show sort of the gentrification process in Brooklyn that was happening while we were living there. Um, and part of that is, you know, corporate coffee chains taking over where there used to be bodegas and mom and pop shops. Um, and so we wanted to have a corporate coffee chain that would be reminiscent of a certain corporate coffee chain that people may recognize uh, from the real world. And so we decided we would take a certain very familiar coffee logo and make yeah. it even more evil. And what would be more evil looking? Clearly Cthulhu. <laughs> and, we, and we all know which, which coffee chain we're talking about. The one that yeah, is so on. Yeah, we don't here. need to say it. Um, we don't need to spell it out. So we, <laughs> we made this coffee chain a setting in the book where uh, Patience, the vigilante, meets up with James, who is a rookie police officer, who is kind of sympathetic with what Patience and the dogs are doing. Um, and so it became like a regular thing. And then over time, it spread into the Tracy Queen series that we do, the Mr. Pat Tracy series becomes that we do. completely addicted with it. Um, and it really it started to become its own entity. So we had uh, the cups made to actually look like the cups that you see them drinking out of. Um, and I have one. Mine's downstairs. It's, it's being washed because I use it every day for coffee. Yay! Like, <laughs> I, I even have, listen, I still have my coffee. The moment that I ordered my coffee from you guys, because they also, guys, they also offer coffee from this for this well. It's really cool because I love, they're one of the only only uh, creative teams that I know that has brought in a brand uh, from their comic book world and brought it into our world with items that we could actually purchase. And we, I've got some coffee. I still, I, listen, I, my, my wife keeps telling me, she's like, we have, we have this coffee. Why won't you open it? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh no, it's freaking cool. It's, it's in my freezer, so it's good. It's we still need to send you another one, one to save and one to drink because <laughs> yeah. I'm that person, right? I'm, yeah. Listen, I'm an Aquarius, <laughs> I, I got a little bit of a, a little bit of a hoarding tendency. <laughs> so, I think you mean a collecting tendency. That's why, I, listen, I have a t shirt that says it's not, it's not hoarding if it's comic books, but uh. So <laughs> I got a quick question before we move on from the locations and the coffee one. So this looks very familiar to me. And you said you lived in Brooklyn for a bit. Uh, what part of town is this? The JMZ um, Myrtle Broadway stop. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we modeled it after a very specific. I don't even know if I would call that a bodega. It's more of a it's market. A grocery. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that we went to a lot because we had a friend who lived right by there. So mm -hmm. yeah, this scene okay. right here. Um, so we, we have in issue four, um, there's the tension between sort of the mom and pop shops, you know, the people who've lived there for years and the people who are moving in and the corporate chains that are moving in is really highlighted. And so this scene that is up on the screen right now takes place in like a groceria where, you know, the people that are working there live in the neighborhood and the people who live in the neighborhood go there for their coffee. Um, and then we also see these like, you know, these hipsters that are like, oh yeah, I come here because it's like totally local flavor. Um, and we're kind of making fun of them, but it's also like, yeah, this is this is how the neighborhood was when we moved out of it, um, when we were living in Brooklyn. And we moved out of Brooklyn about eight years ago. Um, oh, wow. But you know, the process has continued and the part of the neighborhood that we lived in is so fancy now compared to when we lived there. Wow. Um, so we, we worked a lot of that into the book and, you know, Tarmux is just 
one part of that process. So, yeah. but I will say that the coffee, which you can get on the campaign, um, it's all add-ons. So you can get the Tarmux bundle in three different sizes, which are also the sizes of Tarmux drinks on their menu. You can get wimpy, huge, or fuerte. <laughs> um, they come with the coffee um, and some, what else do we have in there? Stickers, the cool. little comic that we made about it, the cup, um, an enamel pin of a logo. Um, and I want to point out that the coffee in the story, Tarmux serves not so great coffee, but in real life, the coffee that we had made is really good. <laughs> so get yourself a few packets. It's actually, um, you know, it's from a, a family owned farm in Honduras. It's direct trade with the farm. So there's no That's like right. corporate middleman. Um, yeah. And the coffee itself is fertilized and pollinated by bats that live on the farm. And they're very sensitive to chemicals. So they don't use any of like the you know, standard like pesticides and herbicides yeah. and stuff like that. Because if they did, it would kill the bats and then there wouldn't be any coffee. But also it helps keep the, bat the bats in the area alive. So it's like helping the bats and bees, local bees. That's very um, cool. Welcome. And yeah, it's it's really cool. It's right on brand. Um, yeah, I want to talk a right little there. bit more about that here, guys, because it sounds like we're going to talk a whole lot about marketing because I, I feel the, the conversation shifting to marketing. <laughs> we're, we're talking about we're going to talk about marketing here and here, but we're going to take a quick little break before we do. I hate to bust this up because this is a great yeah. conversation, but I mean, we're, gonna, we're just going to take about 40 seconds to talk to talk to show this little video here and and, and drop a little in uh, a little uh, commercial here for you guys. And then we'll be right back on the other side. Fantastic. Thank you guys for uh, hanging out with us and allowing us to take that quick break. Uh, if you guys are watching here on YouTube, uh, we want you guys to make sure you guys are, are checking out Attic Door Media. They have a Kickstarter they're going to be launching here in February. All you got to do is head on over to geekcollective.com or geekcollective.net. See, look at I'm already messing up. Geekcollective.net slash ADM. Uh, so all you got to do is hit that and hit uh, notify me on launch and we'll check uh, make sure you guys are doing that with, so that they uh, will notify you as that goes uh, live uh, really cool stuff it uh, follows the Chimerian verse which is their own kind of superhero universe but with a twist because everybody in the world has powers and they all just kind of have mundane lives riding the subway and it's just all kinds of crazy fun hijinks that happens uh, but we we follow one character who has a really great heart and wants to help uh, kids and stuff so we're going to follow her and see what goes on with her and all that really cool stuff they got issue 3 dropping here in February so make sure you guys are checking that out um, 
we're going to talk a little bit about you guys here. Uh, we have Oneshi Press. We're going to talk to you guys a little bit more about marketing. Uh, you guys are saying that you guys have this really cool um, in-universe uh, brand, and you guys brought it into our actual real-life universe with this coffee brand and and uh what's really cool is it's got all these really cool things that are sustainable to all kinds of really uh environmental um like with the environment that where they uh where they do these beans and all this stuff but i want to talk to you guys about how you guys thought about this and uh and why coffee like what was what gave you guys this idea obviously you guys have it in in there but what 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 made you think of bringing that in universe uh, brand into this universe. Well, I mean, the brand and itself had become such a a staple as a background element in quite a few of our stories, and I'm quite proud of the logo. And so, you know, at first it started with um, print on demand. We had a, a print on demand service hooked up to our web store where you could uh, upload art and get it printed on various things like t-shirts and mugs and all that. So of course I want this logo to be on a t-shirt. And then it was like, Hey, I could get it on a mug. That's cool. Cause it's a coffee logo on a coffee mug, you know? So like, all right, that seemed to be the next logical step. Um, and and I, I had one put on a canvas tote bag that I sent to a friend because I knew that she hangs out at, the real world version of Tarmux, whose name I will not say <laughs> so we don't get banned. Um, and I was like, just bring that bag with you next time that you go there to like work and just see if anybody notices. <laughs> so hilarious. far, I, I don't think anyone has. That's so um, fun. <laughs> you know, and I think like there's just a little bit of like um, it's gratification, but it's also like fun for I think the audience to have those like Easter eggs and those things to latch on to that like exist in different stories in different ways. Um, and, you know, people just each time I made a new thing that had that on there, people liked it and I liked it. So I was like, well, I like making it. People like buying it. Like, what else should we do? Um, and then you know, Comics on Coffee started doing their thing. We heard about them through a few people. I mean, even you had suggested we get in touch with them. I think like three or four different people had suggested it. And we were like, all right, well, we have a brand of coffee. Let's just get it made, get it real, you know, um, see if people like it. And to date, that actually was one of our most successful Kickstarters. Yeah. Wow. That's very cool. That's one of the things that we really need to look for chances to do, for opportunities to do is you know we don't have our books in stores every wednesday we can't get it you know sent out in diamond and and in your pool box ready to go um but we can do things like that and we can be responsive to things that people seem to like in ways that those comics can't and i think that's you know we're probably not in the near future in terms of printing and distribution going to be able to compete with price um for you know what you get at your regular comic book store experience but we can give you these other things and i think the people who are doing really well are people that are like okay Here's what I'm, here's what I can offer that's cool and unique and give people more of that. And then obviously to be really responsive to what people, yeah, you know, you yeah. kind of have this idea and you're like, wow, people like this. Let's, let's keep going. Let's see how far it goes and, and, uh, and what people, you know, want to get out of it. And that's, that's a right. Great and ta- taking the chance, right? Like, yeah. like, like taking that chance, but the, cause it can be scary. Cause I, I think, uh, back when you guys were, were, were running this campaign, the, the coffee campaign and, 
JL specifically, I think you said you're a little nervous because you don't know because you guys normally do comics and you guys are moving to a kind of like a food product kind of thing, and you yeah. didn't know how this was gonna handle uh on 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 a crowdfunding source. So and going from 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 then and now say speaking about to it as being your most successful campaign so stepping out of that box it was, was scary but you guys did it you guys stuck with it and it was your most successful campaign to date like how crazy is that so tell me a little bit about how that that process number one and and um how you guys are going to try to you know duplicate that with each and every campaign going forward well, that's that's well, the trick right? i mean the thing is some with experiments it's like sometimes you win big sometimes you fall on your face so we've done a few experiments that really just barely funded you know um and so i think what we've realized is we need to do like at least you know maybe like three solid campaigns that we know what we're what we're doing for something we've done before for like ongoing series and things like that in between like for every one completely experimental campaign yeah you know like maybe <laughs> even more maybe even more like uh four or five you know um like almost sure bet campaigns for every one really experimental campaign but on the really experimental campaigns the thing is i think it's easier as long as you make it easy for other people to collaborate with you, it's easier to get people to collaborate on something where they're like, okay, so you're telling me you're running this campaign. All I have to do is let you use my licensing and I either make money or don't. Sure. You know what I mean? Like it's interesting. It's different. What do I have to lose? That was the answer that we heard from, from Tyler James, from Russell Nolte, um, from, uh, who else do we work with on that campaign? That's so pretty much it, right? There's a few other. Oh, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of other campaigns where we worked with other people. But I mean, still, like then they brought in huge audiences because their audiences are already huge. And the thing is, if it was less of an experiment, they might have been like, hey, guys, sorry, I don't have time. Like, I can't work with you on some. But they were just like, huh. Like, that's so different. We have to see how this goes let's try it you know um and i think there's something to be said about that but for sure we didn't know how it was going to go either and we could have you know put a lot of time and effort and money into something that just tanked <laughs> you know what i mean so we can't do that very often but we certainly want to do that every now and then yeah. you know yeah but you know putting something out publishing period is it's always a question mark. You can never be certain what's going to happen. And that's one of the great things about crowdfunding and specifically with Kickstarter is, you know, if you don't fund, you don't make the thing. And so you're really like, you know, rather than doing what like traditional publishing does, which is we've got all this money, we're going to bet some of it on this project and this project and this project and see what happens. Crowdfunding allows you to find out if your audience wants this thing before you're expected to make it. Um, mm -hmm. so it's always a bit of a gamble of, of time and resources, but it's also, I don't know, a safer way of doing business. Um, certainly when it comes to experiments, certainly stuff. for the, for the individual creator. Yeah. 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 I mean, especially if you're an artist, it takes so long to draw these things. Sure. You, you do need to have an idea of what you're getting into and then not sort of be on the hook to do 
four issues of something and you you know you made six hundred dollars or something like you can't right. do that um and i think that's one of the things i certainly a case to be made for getting your book done beforehand and being able to just build up credibility with backers knowing they're going to get stuff quickly but um i think especially if you're going to be drawing stuff and you're going to be able to take the chances that you probably need to do to make a, a product that's competitive with um with the experience you're going to get from reading your favorite characters that you've read for years uh that requires taking some chances i mean you need to come up with something that's a little bit familiar a little bit different it's always yeah. going to be a bit of a roll of the dice um no matter how intelligently you approach it so i think that's something when I've seen people say, no, all these books should be done beforehand. And I'm like, well, that's cool for a writer, but for an artist, <laughs> I mean, that's, you, you got to yeah. protect yourself a little bit. And I think yeah. that's a good way to do for it. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. You and, know, and I, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just real quick. I was just going to say, I think, um, you know, the thing about like whether or not what you're doing is different or familiar, it's tricky because one thing I do notice is people like the marketing works better when it's something that is familiar that you can say oh if you like this and this you'll love this you know like if you love wolverine and Raphael, you're gonna love this character <laughs> like sure people will go oh yeah i love those two things i should check out this character and that's like foot in the door right it's mm -hmm. good to get people's foot in the door with the familiarity but then once they've read the book, if the whole thing is just familiar and feels, you know, like, I don't want to say like copying, but you know what I mean? Like a little like overly inspired by other things. Mm -hmm. It can right. sometimes just leave people going, why did I just spend money on this thing that I already have 12 yeah. issues of from the big two, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like you don't want it to be too... Um, yeah formulaic formulaic you know it's got to have a reason expected. i think creatively for for being done i mean it's not if you really like spider-man and you make a spider-man's character and your real selling point honestly is well yeah it's now my turn to do spider-man but you know kind of different uh, that's probably that might be really fun to do but i don't know that as a reader you're gonna get a lot of value from that and i think that yeah you know the really good stuff is like when you're saying combining wolverine and Raphael is. You know, they're like, oh, they're the cool guy. But I think, you know, when people will find ways to combine things that you would not necessarily see uh, your normal books take a chance on, but have really interesting intersections in terms of concept or types sure. of characters, the type of action you yeah. see in combining those concepts, then you've got something really cool there. And I think that's, yeah. it gets to be a little high concepty. Um, and I think there was actually a really good discussion on our creator discord this week about um, using that sort of it's Wolverine meets, you know, Batman or like two things you like, and here's how we combine them. They were, and actually, it was interesting to see the back and forth, but also there were so many good pros and cons that I thought, I don't know if I've learned anything from this, except <laughs> I'm a little bit more confused. That happens so sometimes, right? And, and what, I think, what I think I hear you guys saying here is, is right, creating relationships and to be able to bounce things off of people who have may have experienced something like that or somebody who has a little bit more knowledge or a little bit more time within the industry that you may have right to kind of to kind of bounce things off of right and see how they feel or see what kind of trends they see going on when you have these ideas like you guys said 
you bounced off of several different people who were doing things and they were like, wait, that could be an actually really good idea. Let's let's run with that. And, and and then maybe there's something that is a little bit more mundane where they probably were like, yeah, you're just doing another comic book. We'll be back when you do have another great idea. But well, but but being able to have those people to bounce off of and, and like like the, the the creator discords and the the podcast and the many different people that we can talk to and say, hey. What, what do you think? Does this work? Do you feel how, how, cause it's outside of yourself sometimes and it's better to go and, and kind of get a different perspective. Yeah. I mean, and I think like, I guess the word that I was looking for is derivative, uh, you know, like, yeah, you want to be able to be like, Hey, what do you think about something that is kind of like a combination of these two things? And yeah, somebody might be like, I would read that. That sounds awesome. But if then they go and read it, they're like, oh, your execution sucked. This is totally derivative. Like it's you just photocopied freaking this arc of Batman or whatever. Like then you might be like not getting that return audience. Like you might get people making a purchase, but are they going to come back for the next one? You know, like that's the hard part is like, what can you do that gets people's interest off the yeah. bat for number one? but also keeps people's interest for number two. And, you know, that's the thing when you don't have like a large publisher who invested in you, who is now pushing what they've invested in. Like you have to make sure that your work speaks for itself in a way yeah. that people who bought number one come back for number two. And they're not just yeah, like, and I And I think like you guys did that off, with, you know? with Tarmux, right? I feel like with Tarmux, you've done that where, you guys you guys created this thing you 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 created this your own brand out of you know out of out of a parody and you, what you did with that was you brought this this these different things that you could do this coffee this this cup and even a little mini magazine right and and, and then we then jl and i was were actually joking back and forth and we're like what if cthulhu was like you know he was ordering a cup and he's like no it's spelled like cthulhu because everybody yeah. spells me wrong yeah, in those the idea for the cover yeah it's pronounced <laughs> cthulhu like because uh, <laughs> everybody gets your name wrong right when you go to right. those dang places they sp ben there's no there's no w in ben come on they have actually messed up my name uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't get much simpler unless your name is al <laughs> so so like right like everything kind of fits right and the being able to bounce that off being able to talk to people be like yeah that would be hilarious right and and it just works out and i think when we have people that we could do that with and who who are actually where we feel comfortable with to, to be able to do something like that i think we kind of all grow and 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 to do better so I, i'll talk to you guys how are you guys doing uh with with um with marketing these different campaigns because each campaign is a little different how do you guys handle the difference in, in these things what i'm starting to realize i think is that each series requires a little bit of a different approach yeah. and every time we come back in rotation it's like what worked on something like tracy queen is not going to work on something like children of gaia and then what works on Children of Gaia is not going to work on something like Pack, And that, that's a lot, you know, I'll be honest. That's, that's like, <laughs> I'm not a marketer. I'm not an advertiser. I'm, I'm an artist, you know, like I'm a visual artist, a visual storyteller. And it's, it's a slug, you know, it's, um, it's hard. Yeah. So as an artist, so what do you do? How do you, what do you do? 
when you, when you come to that brick wall, what, what do you do? Well, you bash your head against said brick wall. Until you pass out. Um, you don't have to worry about it anymore. That's where we're at right now. No, no, no that's um, not true. <laughs> I think we all kind of hit that brick wall every once in a while. Yeah. yeah. No, stranger. no stranger with to the, the brick, brick wall. wall. I think the one advantage that I have directly as, as a creator when it comes to those brick walls is I can be like, okay, I need something else that's going to grab people's attention. What can I make? I don't have to hire someone. I don't have to be like, ah, oh, damn it. If I want to do pinups, I got to hire someone to draw them. I could just draw a pinup and include it. See if that works. I can draw this other thing and include it. See if that works. I can offer commissions. Yeah. I can. There's a lot of things that. Yeah. If you're a creative person, find a way that you can do it yourself is, is yeah. definitely a better. So yeah. That, that's a little bit of an advantage, um, but there's also disadvantages in that because I can end up, you know, biting off quite a bit to chew, you know, um, in a way that maybe if I didn't have the advantage of being able to do it myself, I might be a little smarter about it. Um, <laughs> and after, you know, several years of doing this, I've learned to like pull my guns a little and not offer my kitchen sink to people. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, Well, I, I, I can speak to that a little bit. We, uh, you know, being in charge of archetypes right now, um, I've had to strategically think about things because I'm not a writer and I'm not an artist. I mean, right. And we can do those things, but it takes skill to, to work at it and be good at it. So I, I, I haven't done any printed it or I mean, published anything. Right. So it's it for me, I have to think of, of things a little bit different because now I have to, when, when I was like, okay, this would be really cool. I need a really cool cover, but I can't really outsource. Right. But thank God I have been that I can do that. And, and we work together so well that we, that we have an understanding. We can do these work together this way. But if you don't have things like that, or you don't have somebody who's a talented artist or a friend, it's really, it's really difficult to be able to find somebody who you can number one trust, who you can know that you can, you can, because uh, it's crazy. Because we've heard all those crazy things where people get screwed over, right? You guys have had, dealt with crap like that, but oh, and yeah. you gotta trust somebody. And when it comes to money, you know, everybody comes all out of the woodwork, crazy people, <laughs> and, and especially during campaigns or talking about kickstarters, right? It's yeah. nuts right now. It's literally it's crazy, but uh. But how do you sift through all that junk when you don't know who's who, right? Yeah. Um, and what what can you do? You don't you just run away screaming? I mean, when there's <laughs> that many people coming at you, like, you yeah, know, um, it's pretty wild out there. But but thankfully, like, I mean, like you were saying before, Joey, like that's where it's really good to have a creative community, like yeah. to find people who are doing similar say, things, yeah. and and I I do think that creative people like most of us were raised with this weird feeling that like we all had to compete with each other because like there's just only so much attention or fame or success to go around right so like if somebody is doing something similar to you then they're your enemy because they might do it better than you and then you're worth nothing if they're better than you but like as a as an actual grown-up creative doing creative work in the real world i'm realizing like that's not true at all um you know there's ebbs and flows and ups and downs but there is enough to go around and yeah 
the other people who are doing things similar to what you're doing are your allies. They are not your competition. And yeah, right. because they understand what you're going through, they understand your questions. They're the only ones who have been through all of this before. And so, you know, anyone, if you're watching and you want my advice, you know, find a Discord like theirs where there's lots of creative people. Find a Discord like ours where there's lots of creative people. Mm -hmm. Just find a community somewhere, you know, a local meetup where you go and draw still lifes at the brewery, like whatever it is, you know, <laughs> find your people and, and talk to them about these kinds of things when they happen, because almost always somebody else has already been through it and will, you know, be your shoulder to cry on. Yeah. And there's so many really bad mistakes you can avoid making when you just mm -hmm. have a little bit of that to bounce off. It's like, oh no, dude, I tried that once. It was a disaster. Yeah. Think about something like this. You can save so much of your effort, so much of your time. And so much of your creative energy by doing that. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <clears throat> totally. I think also uh, what you're saying before, Joey, like having people around to ask and bounce things off of. I think um, live streaming on Twitch. I mean, you're in my Twitch live stream often enough. Yeah. Like you see yeah. it. I think a lot of stuff develops there. Um, mm -hmm. I can, while I'm drawing, I'm getting. I can ask for feedback from any number of people that are watching and hanging out and, you know, and even if I don't ask for feedback, I see when people get excited when yeah. I do something, I see what gets people going like, Oh, that's cool. Or, Oh, I love that panel. So I'm constantly getting like bits of like, Oh, maybe I should do more things like that. Or, Oh, this one's not getting any response. Maybe I should do less of that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so yeah. it's just constant like guidance, you know. Even when people don't mean to be, people just genuinely react excited yeah. about something. And if I'm not getting that genuine excited reaction, that's that's feedback, yeah. you know. So kids, the the word of this week is community. Find your community and and, uh, and make sure that you guys are contributing to that community and, and I guarantee you guys they will always have your back. Uh, because listen, I think I even workshopped this whole archetypes magazine idea in your stream jail and everybody yeah. was like, yeah, that would actually be cool. Yeah. And, and what's funny about that is sometimes that that's what, what sparks, right? Cause you kind of workshop something to say, Hey guys, would would you guys, are you guys hungry for this? Right. And people are like, yeah, maybe I could eat what you got. Right. So yeah. it's, <laughs> it's like, it's so you just gotta just be brave and just kind of sometimes toss it out there a little bit and say, this is what I got. Here's the spread. Let me know if you guys like it. Right. Um, so, so it, it's just kind of just, it's, it's a little scary, a little daunting, but you just got to do it. Once you get out there, you'll get a little bit more comfortable. It's, it's a little bit easier, more and more you do it. Um, we're rounding the end of the show here. Uh, we, we want to give you guys one quick last minute to give us like a quick pitch of, of the, of pack one through four and the Kickstarter drop all those really cool links. Let everybody know where they can find this thing, how they can find it, where they can find you guys, please. Do you love dogs and justice? Then you will love pack. <laughs> that's, our, <laughs> that's our elevator pitch. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. I I always love asking that because it is it's one of those things, right? Because you got to have one of those quick pitches when you're in like a con because mm -hmm. people move fast, right? And yeah. it's one of those things. And and Kickstarter's our own. It's a it's a digital converse, man. Like seriously, it you got and you got to move quick. You got to have those things. They they give us these small amount of characters to write these thing these blurbs yeah. in. Like so, you got to be quick and on your toes. And so, I love that. Love that. Uh, please let everybody know where they can find you guys. 
Well, for now, you can find us. Well, actually, always. We always update the link to go to whatever our latest project is. Uh, Kickstarter.oneshipress.com. That will always go to whatever our latest Kickstarter is. Uh, you can find us also at oneshipress.com, our website, O-N-E-S-H-I-P-R-E-S-S.com. Um, and we're all over the socials, you know. Uh, all at Oneshipress. Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, and make sure you guys are signing up for their email list because they got some really cool stuff. They drop freebies. They drop all Always. kinds of really good, all kinds of goodness. So do that. Uh, ben, uh, well, let, let, we're going to tell you, I know you got something uh, that's coming up here where this is going to be. Uh, I don't know if you guys could stick around. We're going to take just like two to three minutes to talk about what we got going on. And then um, and then we're going to head out here. But um, if you guys could stick around, that'd be awesome. But if you guys have got go, we know. Uh, ben. Uh, what do you got going on, man? I know you got something really fun for everybody to check out. We do. Uh, so you can see the first part of this in archetypes, uh, first part of a story that leads into this. But what I'm working on for this year is called Cobalt Crisis. Um, it is basically, it's a continuation of We Are Scarlet of Twilight. And it's a combination of if you got something like uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths or Secret Wars, but it was made in the 1940s. Gives you all that golden age pulp style um, in addition to your epic world shattering sort of uh, crossover stuff so if you're into any of that stuff um you also love the atmosphere of the old pulps the old flash gordon the old batman comics uh, i think you are really going to dig this one it's got all of that it's got some great surprises and some awesome adventure you can check that out on zoop and we're also going to do a sort of preview lead-in book in addition to what you can see in archetypes on kickstarter probably in march very very cool so yeah it's cool. it's it's really cool one of the uh one of the actual reasons why i kind of created archetypes was because uh ben was talking about this and then we talked about it he's like yeah i could totally do like a lead up to this that would be perfect i was already thinking of doing something like that so we kind of ran with it workshopped it around and i and i saw that people were actually kind of cool with the wanting wanting something like this so we added uh some really cool uh art articles some interviews we got people talking about tips and tricks of the trades they're giving us some writing tips wa walking you through all the entire first uh draft getting you to your first draft of of your of your script so we're going to be walking through so people out there that want to learn how to write a comic book this should be able to help you get you there and kind of take a little bit of that daunting scary thing out of it because when i was starting to wanting to learn how to how to write it was really hard to find like resources and find like what does a script look like or how how can i how can i uh you know create a a first draft so things like that so we're going to have one of our creative friends um adriano who was who was the creator of pesto comics he's got a bunch of really cool um, lines out there pestocomics.com he's going to tell us a little bit but he does some really cool stuff on kicks on on uh on uh twitter where he does a daily affirmation things where he talks about like writing tips that he does every single day that he uses every day it's kind of like he writes in his journal and stuff like that so that he could be a better writer helps him kind of increase his skills um, doing something repetitive every single day so so i love that he did that and i asked him to do an article for us and he's going to do that for us cool. so very cool 
we have uh, some friends over at the Geek Network. They interviewed Drew Zucker and David Boer talking about Canto and going over to, uh, I, I believe it's moving from Image to Dark Horse now, right? So we're going to be talking. They're talking about that. There's an interview there. Um, and what's cool is Lindsay has a little bit of a hand in this. We've asked her to uh, to handle the editing for us, and she accepted so we're 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 we're, uh she's going to be editing uh this uh work for us so very very cool thank you Lindsay. we appreciate you Um, make sure you guys are checking this out you head on over to geekcollective.net slash archetypes it goes live uh mid february uh and yes yes i'm sorry Lindsay. i didn't mean to cut you off there but thank you so it's gonna be fun don't worry about it Yeah, excellent. And, and Lindsay, please let everybody know your credentials. You have some really amazing credentials that you don't normally talk about, um, but <laughs> people need to know about. Please let them know your credentials and all the cool stuff. Uh, you got a half an hour? Blown away, dude. It's freaking awesome. <laughs> I, so I'm the editor in chief at Onashi Press and also one of the co founders. Um, and I have written uh, issues one through four of Pack, issues one through four of Tracy Queen. Um, I also write a novella uh, collection called um, Tales from Existentia. I have an award-winning memoir out called uh, Watching Porn, which is a whole other previous chapter of my life condensed into a book. Um, And during the day, I am a production editor for Penguin Random House, um, the Berkeley imprint, which is the paperback uh, genre fiction part of the Penguin Random House publishing machine. Super fun. Um, and I also do freelance editorial work for DC Comics, IDW, and Clover Press. Um, so I have my fingers in pretty much every pie that I possibly can. <laughs> and I enjoy it. It's a good time. Yeah, very fun. And 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 we are super, super honored to have you uh, be a part of Archetypes. Um, you are definitely going to be elevating this thing, seriously. Um, you guys... <laughs> But but you guys can also make sure you guys are checking out archetypes because we're gonna have an, an actual we're gonna me and Ben are actually gonna sit down and we're gonna put our our ties on and we're actually gonna be a little bit more formal. We're gonna talk to Oneshi Press and we're gonna ha- ask them to explain themselves and tell us a little bit more about Oneshi Press and world building and and how the heck does somebody go from uh, just a thought to having this whole freaking world of fantastic stories um so that's all going to be inside archetypes we're going to do a video an audio and print uh version of that interview for you guys so this thing is going to be freaking off the chain i'm serious i don't know if people still say that i'm probably too old uh, <laughs> but uh <laughs> i remember I remember when people used to say off the chain. <laughs> well, thank you guys for hanging out with me and Ben. Uh, we appreciate you guys and Oneshi Press. Make sure you guys are following uh, the Kickstarter, kickstarter.oneshipress.com. Uh, and uh, that is geekcollective.net slash archetypes. Uh, we'll, that will let you know when we go live. You're going to want to make sure he goes live because we have a wizard homage by Benjamin W. Morse. It's going to have an embossed title and a really cool finish. It's got foil printed and a varnished finish treatment. Like you guys are going to be blown away by this. Uh, it's gorgeous. Um, so you guys are only 50 available, only 50 available. So you're going to, it's, it's going to be hot. So, uh, check that out. Thank you guys. Thank you guys so much. Uh, ben, 
Please play that outro. 